Is there a takeover rap song? The takeover. The oh, break's over. Yeah. God MC. Me. Lex Sober. Oh! There you go. ROC. You running this rap shit. Memphis Bleak. We running this rap shit. Be mad. Shit. Oh, messed up. Freeway. We running this rap shit. Oh, it's Fox. We running this rap shit. Is Memphis Bleak the the one who um, kind of disappeared to go take care of his brother? Uh, Memphis Bleak did disappear, but I don't know if it was to take care of his brother. But he's still with Hov. Like if he's still on Instagram and he's at all the uh, the rock brunches hey, in man. a nice uh, mauve suit. One of these days, I'm gonna get invited to the Rock Nation brunch. Listen, when you get that invite, get it. Get a. Uh, I'm gonna need somebody to drive me. Get it. <laughs> okay, oh, I'm gonna need on, a driver. Man. Listen, we're. We're in 2020, man. We can't we can't make those kind of jokes anymore. Why not? Oh, oh. yeah. There you go. Now you picked uh, up on it. <laughs> see, see, I don't, but I don't see our like you know like that is not the same thing for you and me. Like the dynamic here, you know. I just had to. If put it Tom out there. said it, that would have a different connotation. But you know, I don't look like Tom. No, I don't think that's not Tom style of humor. That's more of a Fred joke, right? Yeah, there. I mean, like. I look more like you than I do like Tom. I'll put it that way. Tom would definitely be driving his Prius to the Rock Nation. Uh, you don't brunch. think Tom? No, actually, Tom probably doesn't drive a Tesla. Yeah, I was just about to say, if not a Prius, a Tesla. He, I don't think he would drive a Tesla. I feel like Tom's the kind of guy that drives a Volvo. Oh, <laughs> I don't know, man. On the way in, the takeover. It actually, it's just takeover. Jay-Z, famous diss song to Nas. Jay-Z won, by the way, if anybody's like still wondering who won that beef. And uh, for those of you who were correct in predicting that Teofimo Lopez would win a unanimous decision over Vasily Lomachenko, all three of you, congratulations, good job, you predicted correctly. And so all the rest of us, we're suckers. Relax, did you, did, let me ask you this, okay? This is a Sunday Puncher Podcast, he's Lex, I'm Angelo. Did you have Lomachenko winning that fight before you you went in now now be honest with me because i know you're just a little lomachenko or tiafimo shill i know you love tiafimo and all this but i want you to be honest okay can you be honest talk to me did you think lomachenko was going to win that fight i actually like my prediction yeah fight yeah i actually and you could check in the patreon i had uh tiafimo win before the fight, how'd you have? Him I winning? didn't expect. I did not expect it to play out like this. I actually said it would look uh, like Danny Garcia, uh, Amir Khan. Oh my with, goodness! Uh, really? <laughs> I did. I thought Lomachenko was going to get ahead of the scorecards early and start trying to do his like dazzling footwork and crazy lead hand action, and uh, Teofimo would catch him between all that. But it, it looked a lot different than I thought. But I, you know, I'm 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 team takeover. The sure. funny thing is, like, I, I thought Tiafimo, if he was going to win, was going to knock him out like everybody else. Although I picked Lomachenko by a decision. But the one thing I never saw was that sort of, like, clean counter knockout that he had with Comey. I just never saw that. Um, but um, before we get to praising Tiafimo, I think we should start here. Where did it go wrong for Lomachenko? Um, did, the guy looked great coming in. He looked like one of the one of if not no, actually he was the I think without question the best lightweight in the world, at least the highest rated lightweight in the world. He had the most accomplishments at lightweight amongst the the title holders at lightweight, not with not counting uh, Rolando Romero, who is you know obviously the king of lightweight. 
where did it go wrong? Because the guy who showed up, that was not the the quote unquote um that that just wasn't the same guy. So where did it go wrong? I would say it went wrong a long time ago when they decided to match Teofim Lomachenko, mostly with guys that he could completely stun on. The, the, the reality is, in the sport of boxing, looks matter, experience matters. And I don't think that... I Like, this is going to sound kind of crazy, because going into the fight, most people said that Teofimo was taking the big jump. But I think based on, like, matchups in the past... It may have been a tougher jump for Lomachenko, and I never thought of that until now. I, I, I can see that, and I, I think, you know, we were talking before, and um, also on the on the podcast we recorded on Saturday night, if you haven't heard the immediate reaction podcast, if you want to have a, a podcast that's, you know, more centered around that, um, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash sundaypuncher, you can get access to it there. Um, but I feel like, We've seen a lot of different facets of Lomachenko's game plan and his his boxing ability. But the one thing we've never seen from him is how to deal with a guy that has dangerous power. And granted, there like if you really think about it, there aren't too many guys in every division with dangerous power. Like let's just take 168 for example. You saw Edgar Berlanga on the undercard. I don't think that power is for real. Um not at the highest level. He's, 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 he's got power, no doubt about it. But, like, we're talking dangerous power. We're talking about you've put down world-class guys, um, guys who've had previously had iron chins. Richard Comey took that insane shot from Robert Easter Jr. that should have knocked out any other lightweight, and Comey wouldn't even go down from it. But that guy couldn't withstand the punches of Teofimo Lopez. There aren't that many guys like uh, with that kind of power in, in a division. And thus far, Lomachenko never fought that. You could bring up Nicholas Walters, but Walters never displayed power at 130. It was all at 126 where he had an enormous size advantage and a, and a division that he had to move up from because he couldn't make the weight anymore. Lomachenko never fought that. And I think where it went wrong is the entire game plan was centered around not getting hit with that shot. And, you know, you saw him just unable to do anything with body jabs. Teofimo threw a body jab and Lomachenko didn't didn't know what to do. And I don't know if he didn't know what to do or he was following a game plan that was clearly incorrect. But it was astounding to watch Lomachenko look like the novice there. And it wasn't until, what, the seventh round where he started to remember, oh, I'm Lomachenko. I, you know, I can do a lot of these things that, um, you know, can at least score me points. Because for a guy that went 394 and won as an amateur... I didn't see any of that the first six rounds. There was no scoring points. There was no, let me just avoid danger and rack up some points here. There was none of that. I mean. I'm sorry. I, I was just I was just listening to you. No, I mean, I totally agree. I, I, I guess, like, I watched a bunch of Lomachenko and Teofimo fights on YouTube leading into Saturday. And uh, what did you see? You know, some of the things I've observed about Lomachenko played out and, and and this is why I said the the jumping competition point. It's different when you're in a you're in the ring with a guy that's really looking to win also, and that believes in his powers also, and and he knows he's not there to lose. Lomo is, in my opinion, a bit of a slow starter. You know, he'll 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 download your style, bring you into the matrix, and then like you know in the later rounds, I'm mean, not like very later, but maybe like third, fourth, fifth round, 
you start to see him opening up like lots of the footwork, lots of the pivots, lots of lead hand action. And I think that discourages a lot of guys and, and they know they're they, they know they're in the ring to lose. They're the B side. And this is the great Lomachenko. How can I handle the angles and the pivots and all that stuff? So they kind of like mentally uh, falter pretty early in the fight. And Lomachenko just does what he does. But but Teofimo, he he had a lot of self-confidence, a lot of belief. He may have been a bit bigger than um, Lomachenko. I'm not really buying like how huge he was. But, you know, he he was in there and he believed in himself. And, uh, you know, Lomachenko's pressure showed late, but it, it was too late. Like, T, I, I had T.O. winning, I think, the first seven rounds, maybe. was Is that fair or is that maybe a little too much T.O. show? I didn't see that, but... Um, is that realistic, at least? or Well, depends if you're Julie Letterman or not. Oh, my God. Don't, don't throw me in that. The bucket. crazy thing is, like, we are... We, we both see the fight a little differently. Um, I saw it a little... I, I didn't think it was as much of a clear win for Tiafimo as you did. But at the same time, I think we both are in agreement that Julie Letterman's card was, like, ridiculous. But I can see the first seven rounds going to uh, Tiafimo. The swing rounds were... And some people disagree with this, but if you're going to have swing rounds, it's it was, I think, two and seven? Two and yes, six, Yes, round maybe? two. Round two for sure. Maybe two was and six is what it was. Um, somebody had put posted it on the on the subreddit. Uh, let me look at. Let me. Look. It was um, kind of like a breakdown of where how fans were leaning. Okay, so it looks like the second, yeah, the second and the seventh were were the the swing rounds, and then um, the rest of the rounds were pretty clearly Tiafimo, and then you mean Lomachenko? No, no, uh, no, no. I mean so. One through seven, except for those two swing rounds, were pretty clearly Tiafimo. Eight through eleven were like very clearly for Lomachenko. Lomachenko. Yeah. And then the twelfth round was Lopez. I thought the twelfth round was actually um I didn't give it to Lomachenko, but I thought he he I was like I, towards the end, he landed a couple of shots. I'm like, oh damn, he might have just swung it. Because I feel like judges sometimes are not very reliable and they definitely overrate the last minute of a round which they probably shouldn't because they're professional judges but like that really doesn't stop them from turning in wild cards like our friend julie letterman <laughs> uh but yeah i you know or actually i was saying earlier but one of the things we were talking about was you know leo santa cruz is similar to lomachenko in that these guys have faced like we know they're really talented fighters but it's hard to point out the the wins to say like this is why they're so this is why they're so good. Um, I would say maybe Leo has the better overall win than Lomachenko. I mean, beating Prime Frampton is probably better than anything Lomachenko has accomplished. But regardless of rating their resumes, the the thing about them is that to date we have not seen either of them face a puncher. Like, a guy who's just, like, that's all they're known for is their punching power. Like, we knew uh, Tiafimo could box, but, like, that that was secondary. Like, yeah, he could box. He pulled out a win against Nakatani. But that wasn't, that's not what makes him good. And the boxing is just kind of, like, it goes along, but it's all to set up the power. And that's the same thing for Tank, where thus far, we've not seen Tank need to box. Um, Tank has gotten by with his power in almost every single fight. 
and this will be Leo Santa Cruz. I think his first real fight where like the guy he's fighting is a dangerous puncher. And that is like it's it's going to be interesting to see how they how they game plan. Like we obviously saw that Lomachenko's game plan was a disaster. And, you know, next weekend, not this one, but the following weekend, we'll see how Leo Santa Cruz approaches uh, approaches a boxer. Or not a boxer, a puncher. Yeah, looking at Leo's resume, there's like no clear puncher that he's fought. Maybe, was it Christian Mejares maybe? No, definitely wasn't Christian Mejares. Yeah, his whole career, never faced a puncher. Yeah, they have him. That's the one style that, like you said, they haven't really uh, oh, put oh. Leo in often but i was also saying earlier you know these these points were connected that i just kind of got disconnected uh but the (laughs) the points was that there aren't many guys like this in every division there might be one like lightweight it's i think it's tiafimo i don't you know ryan garcia has knocked out a lot of lower level fighters i don't know that that's for real and so i think tiafimo might be the only guy at lightweight with this kind of power it also helps that he's big and apparently on his way to 140 so I can't no, actually, really fault I, him too much, uh, both Lomachenko and then also as his comp, Leo Santa Cruz, and like not seeing that sort of game plan out of them because they haven't really fought too many big-time punchers. Yeah, but I, honestly, I really don't think it was the punching power specifically. Like, I really what? think that Teo... Here's my take on it. I really think Teo Fimo believed that he could win they didn't allow Lomachenko to use all that footwork that he's so famous for. He pivoted with him. He went to his body, which is something that was a very visible weakness if you watch Lomachenko's old fights. And it it put Lomachenko in a position where he couldn't really rely on the trickery. I told this to a buddy, and it's a bit of an extreme example, but it would be like if you put hot sauce versus an NBA player. <laughs> like, sure, Hot Sauce has a lot of cool tricks. He could put the ball in his shirt and spin it around behind his back. or He could roll on the ground and crush you over. That works in the streets against guys who aren't that good. Once you're with the NBA player, you can't do all that tricky stuff. You have to use fundamentals. And, like, yeah, for unless you're, like, Kyrie Irving, who would be, like, a Roy Jones Jr. or something like that, you need to use real fundamentals and skills to beat your opponent. And I think, like, Lomachenko waited for all those op- those those opportunities for, to use his trickery. And I saw him try with the lead hand and like Teal would just jab him or jab him to the body and it, it was just gone. So I, sure, the power had an effect. Sure, the size had an effect. But at some point, your fundamental your fundamentals matter. Tim Duncan goes far in the playoffs for a reason. Kobe goes far in the playoffs for a reason. Jordan goes far in the playoffs for a reason. You need fundamentals to win. You better say LeBron. Just yes, because he's the most fundamental guy. The King's name. No, no, no. Listen, shout to LeBron, but he's more like, if we're sticking with basketball to boxing, LeBron is like, like Maidana, except what? with like Sean Porter athleticism Ugh. or something like that. You're killing me right now. Sorry. You're shout to the King, me. man. Got got his fourth one. Shout to the Lakers. Shout to Kobe. R.I.P. Can Canelo is LeBron. No, Canelo is. It's LeBron. I'll get back to you on that one. Think for a second. Oh my God! So you're so what you're trying to say is Lomachenko is more like Skip to my Lou. Lomachenko is Skip to my Lou. Yes, it's perfect. I. Telling it's you. tough. It's tough. I mean, maybe he's JJ Redick. No, no, not JJ Redick. <laughs> JJ Redick had a lot of success. This is a national champion, wasn't he? I believe so. Great player. Very one-dimensional. 
but great player. I wouldn't say Lomachenko is one-dimensional because there are uh, he does a lot of things really well, but like without being able to use your fundamentals at the highest level, it's like you're, you're studying. It's like you have a test on Friday, a big test, but you're waiting to. So Thursday to study, that's not the best, it's not the greatest idea, in my opinion. You should get a little bit of practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday is, is easy, and then Friday you'll be ready. And I just don't think that top rank put him in there with dudes that would really bring it out of him. Well, I don't think that, I, well, I think, I don't fault him for it, because I don't know that there are any guys that could have mimicked this for Tiafimo. Yeah. If they were able to fight at this level, they would not, they would be actual world champions. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that because even look at like, let's take uh, Teofimo and it's Nakatani, right? Yeah. Let's look at that fight. That was a hard, that wasn't like, you know, on the scorecards, it says it was an easy fight. But I've, I watched that fight live and I rewatched it for Saturday. It was a really awkward guy that like you had to think in there and be like, okay, like my, my typical, like my big left or my big right or my money punch isn't working. What else can I do to win this fight? And it's, it, that's what, hard fights are good for you you develop and learn how to adapt on the fly a quick speed and i think like they put guys in with lomachenko that made him look godly and like that's cool for like entertainment purposes but there there's a reason why like you put guys in those difficult to win clean fights because they learn i mean i like imagine imagine if lomachenko versus nakatani happened like do you, you think you just dance all over him? yeah i do I think styles I think make fights. Be, I think it would be a, a ugly fight that Lomachenko would probably win, but it, all the dance moves, like rhetoric, would necessarily pop up. I could be wrong. Let's let's ask this question: Does Jorge Linares have more power than Teofimo Lopez since he put Lomachenko down and Teofimo couldn't? It's a joke question, guys. You don't have to answer it. It's a joke. <laughs> we know that's obviously not the case. We also know that. I mean, look. We got to talk about what Tiafimo did that was that worked so well in this fight. And I think first of all, I think Tiafimo what he did so well in this fight was actually what he didn't do. And what he didn't do was he like was calm under pressure. He never forced anything. I think that would have been such a mistake if he would have come out and try to force anything, but he was just measured the whole fight. Um, and especially those those early moments of the fight, the the first few rounds, it was crucial where Tiafimo was like, I'm just going to box. I'm going to keep things basic. I'm going to keep it simple. And I think that really threw Lomachenko for a loop because he was expecting a guy to come out and be a little wild and, or be deer in the headlights. And Tiafimo was like, you know, acted like he'd been there before. And he, he was measured. And Lomachenko was not able to really get a good read on when he should go in for the attack because Tiafimo took the role of, of the... It, it's weird. Like, he was leading, but he was leading in order to force something out of Lomachenko. And Lomachenko wasn't willing to give him anything, and he I, I think he was just clueless as to what he, he was supposed to do. And it took him six rounds to abandon the game plan that they had come in with or to start executing the game plan that they had come in with. I don't know where he started to have some success. But really, I, I think Lomachenko or Tiafimo did an excellent job of keeping Lomachenko uneasy, keeping him from getting comfortable, and keeping him from really doing uh, 
like letting his hands go because that's the the main thing is like you want to know what is the story of the first half of the fight it's to put it simply Lomachenko's not throwing punches and it's not like Teofimo was beating the hell out of him for the first six rounds he was doing he, he wasn't landing a ton of punches but it was enough to win the rounds for sure you know those first six rounds it's not like he had hurt Lomachenko it's not like he had him on wobbly legs or anything like that he just just outboxed him really I mean there's no other way to put it and that is a credit to and and you know, I see people wanted to give credit to Tiafimo's dad, and he deserves some credit too. But I think Joey Gamash is the one who deserves a ton of credit here. That guy is proving to be quite the wizard when it comes to boxing IQ. And, you know, you look at Otto Valin's performance against Tyson Fury and how he almost pulled that win out. Uh, that's Joey Gamash right there. And uh, the things that, the holes that Tiafimo had in his game started to get plugged up when Joey Gamash came on board. And so, you know, credit to them for that excellent game plan. And, you know, they they beat Lomachenko tactically, which I don't, you know, I wasn't so sure could happen prior to the fight. Did, was there anything yeah, that you I, saw specifically? No, um, you know, I, I think the, there's two or three things I wanted to say. One, um, for those who watch the post-fight press conference, Teofimo said it was a lot more basic than he had envisioned the fight being and you know like that that like watching the fight it makes sense but it was even interesting to hear like hear him confirm it because uh, like i keep saying he just beat lomachenko with simple fundamentals he turned with them he jabbed and went to the body like that was the story of the fight to me i'm I'm not perfect maybe you saw it differently but um yeah like shout to his dad and joey gamash because like if that was what they did it was a, they did great <laughs> with the game plan and then like the other thing i wanted to say was um after the fight i watched uh robert garcia he does a uh he is a youtube with Peta. i think that's his son right he's a nephew nephew he he has a youtube channel maybe with it's Peter a son, garcia, I don't know. and and they reviewed the fight and he he like let the people in on a little secret he said around the time where there was like a small possibility that they could fight lomachenko you know, he started sniffing around uh, Los Angeles to some of the different trainers down there to figure out, like, what would be the ideal game plan for Lomachenko. And he didn't drop the guy's name, but he said Lomachenko would be a not easy fight. But if you take the center of the ring and don't let him, like, have the center, like, you could do whatever you, you want with him. And he said that's exactly what Teofimo did. And it just, like, you know, I say all that to say, like, I think that, there was a blueprint out on Lomachenko that like behind the scenes people were talking about and wondering if it could work. And Teofimo was the first person to try to put it in action and it did work. That's, that's a fascinating idea. And it leads me to something that I've been thinking about. Um, not real, not specifically related to the fight, but I've noticed a lot of people really happy with the result. Certainly top rank is over the moon. And I've said this in the past on the podcast that, and I said it, what, two, three years ago when Lomachenko or Tiafimo was just a little prospect that this was the plan all along to get this win. Like this guy's coronation would be a victory over Lomachenko. And it was all a matter of time. And it worked out perfectly. But everyone is happy. Like there were so many people in boxing that wanted Tiafimo to win this fight. And I, let me know if I'm crazy for saying this. But part of me feels like inside of boxing 
we're talking fighters, trainers, the writers, maybe the writers. I don't know. They're a little, they're a little sus. But I feel like there might have been like some sort of, I don't know if jealousy is the right word, but there was definitely some ill will that everybody had toward Lomachenko, and it felt like everybody was secretly or maybe some not so secret they wanted him to lose and maybe there was some uh you know it was like they everyone wanted to see him get knocked down because he got hyped up so crazy didn't really accomplish much sure he had talent but that talent was never displayed in such a way that really warranted the the hype and the praise that he got and everyone wanted to see Tiafimo knock him off of his perch. I feel like that's kind of how how it kind of explains the reaction because the reaction's been kind of crazy to me, um, especially when you consider how so many people loved Lomachenko and and like you know that's like an objective fact based off of the ratings that he's pulled in over the course of his career. And I could totally imagine trainers like, yeah, like trying to give that help with the game plan to beat Lomachenko because everyone was trying to knock this guy down. And I think he probably deserved it. Now, I don't know if that that's like him personally um, or, you know, or more so like just to, to spite the people who've propped him up the way that they have. But I kind of felt that way. I don't know about you. No, I, you I love Tiafimo, so I, you you ain't. But no, even for, exclu- ignoring my love for Tiafimo. I don't remember the last time, and, and this is like in the boxing community and out, that's a, a win has been celebrated this much. Like I saw like Bad Bunny. Fury um, the, over Wilder. The, uh, listen, I didn't see freaking rappers and people who normally don't track boxing celebrating Tyson Fury. Uh, uh, I Bad see Bunny. Yeah, yeah. Like Bad, I, I, okay, listeners, if you don't know who Bad Bunny is, he's an enormous musician. In, I'm pretty sure in like the reggaeton category, I think. And and so like I've never heard of Bad Bunny talk about boxing before. He's like, shout out to Yofimo, like Viva Latinos or something. I forget what he said exactly, but he was he was amped. And there's a there's basketball players celebrating fellow boxers, fellow trainers. And I think you touched on a, a little bit. You said jealous. I don't want to say jealousy. I don't want to use that word. But the hype. I think a lot of what T.R top rank does is like they overhype people to death and they beat you in the head and it's like it's so much that it's like it feels fake like if this guy's really as good as floyd just just let him be floyd he's ali he's floyd he's pernell whitaker he's sugar ray leonard but what is his best win like jorge linares rigo that's not that the, the, the accolades don't match the hype and so when when you overhype someone like that People are gonna be happy when that guy loses, and it's 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 like to be honest, I was happy that To won. I like To, and, and like I'm not into the Lomachenko hype, but it sucks for Lomachenko because he is a good fighter, and it's like he's not making the hype. Top Rank did that, and I, I just feel bad for him now because how do you turn around? You're 16 and two, you lost to a 23 year old and and Salido who had like eight losses or something like that. Who who like who wants to fight that guy? Who wants to watch a guy at 16 and two? And like, I, I just, I don't really see what's next for Lomachenko to be honest. It's I weird, mean, weird position. that's a tough one. You know, what's next for him? Because I think, so it's like trying to do some research here and try to piece this together. Lomachenko's a guy that, you know, I got, 
I got info. I know a lot about, you know, everybody's situation with promoters and things like that. But Lomachenko's a guy, and, and this is true for a lot of Igis Klimas' clients. There's not a ton of info about them and the business behind it. And so what I found, or, well, I didn't find it. Somebody in the chat found it and sent it to me. So now I know it. Um, Lomachenko had re-signed with Top Rank in 2015 on a five-year can you tell me uh, what five years from 2015 is? The worst year I've lived in. 2020. Correct. Boom. And um, was there a rematch clause in this fight? <laughs> Bob came out and said he doesn't believe in rematch clauses. Something to that nature. Yeah, we can tell. <laughs> so, but he certainly believes in rematches. Just ask Manny Pacquiao. And the guy had 30 fights and fought four people, you know. Um. I don't know. It's interesting when you think about that. Is is Lomachenko on the verge of being free? Because think about it right now. If you're Lomachenko stuck at top rank, like I, I think it's going to be tough sledding going forward. They're going to freeze you out of the the fun at 130 until things get resolved. So you can't just pop right back into a fight. You're most likely going to decline a little bit more because you're going to get older. Um, when you finally fight, you're going to get the guy who emerges from Burchelt and Valdez and Shakur Stevenson and Jamel Herring and Carl Frampton. Most likely, you're not going to get Fra Herring or Frampton. And you're going to get a dog like Shakur or Burchelt or Valdez. That That's rough. And it's not a pay-per-view. That's not a big fight. I don't think, you know, you're really holding down your future out outside of boxing with those fights. And so if he's a free agent though, now you, you have a lot of leverage. Oh, by the way, and TFEMO actually spoke on this before I said any, or no, I, I mentioned it on the podcast uh, that we did on Saturday night. And then TFEMO actually validated what I said, but he talked about how if he had lost is what he was going to make his minimums were going to go down. And that's pretty typical in combat sports where if you lose, you wind up not getting paid as much as you were before, which, I mean, that, that makes sense. But, um, you know, for Lomachenko, he's got like this, I don't know, $3 million guarantee or something. That's probably dropped down pretty significantly. And based off of the opponent, I sure, I'm sure they're going to go for the minimum every time trying to rebuild him. But if you're a free agent now, you now have leverage to say, well, I can go fight here, I can go fight there and try to rebuild my career. And so... If that's the case, cool. Um, if he goes back down to 130, which everyone thinks that he should, that opens up potential fights with Santa Cruz or Tank uh, in addition to the guys over at top rank. And I think playing one off of the other is certainly going to be good for your career going forward. Um, even if you know that you're on the decline and you're on your way out. People don't like me saying that, though. Uh, I don't. People don't want to hear that Lomachenko's on the decline. But, I, you know, it's possible. What do you think? I mean, I think it's very fair to say he's on the decline considering his position. I mean, look what happened to Vostik, right? Is is, is how different is that situation from this situation? But um, to answer your question about him potentially jumping, it, it would make a lot of sense to me. It would kind of remind me of what Pacquiao did, where like he came to PBC, got a sweet fight, and then got a big fight. Um, I could see him in the event that he did go to pbc if that's what you're talking about um you know i could see him fight fighting gary russell jr and then the winner fights tank on a big 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 pay-per-view 
do you do you think that makes sense or <laughs> did you say Gary Russell Jr.? Yeah. Because I tweeted that he, listen, on on Sunday been, or something. He's been, huh? I tweeted that on Sunday or something, and I said uh, the the best fight, you know, the get back fight for for Lomachenko is Gary Russell. It's Gary Russell has been clamoring it, clamoring for it for a very long time. He said he was dehydrated in the first fight and sick. I want sure. revenge on that sure. white boy, quote unquote. Please don't. You know, don't hold Sunday Puncher responsible for my quote. I'm just quoting. Don't kill the messenger. And he he, he was gonna fight Devin Haney. What what? He was not gonna fight, fight Devin Haney. Than... He wasn't gonna fight Devin. I Haney. know, I know. Please, just, people, you know YouTube. That is hype. that was a wrestling angle. Like, come on. You think these? Like, first of all, if you actually wanted to see that fight, shame on you. <laughs> You're you you need help. You wanted to see. A guy jump up two weight classes, uh, like a guy who's tiny for his weight class with little itty bitty arms, jump up two weight classes to fight a big lightweight. Come on, people, use your brain. Um, you saw what happened when but, Rigando jumped up two weight classes and made Lomachenko and made people say that Lomachenko would have beaten any version of Floyd. Any ver? No, actually, the quote some I saw somebody say uh, was that Lomachenko would have beaten any version of Pacquiao in any weight class. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that seems a little crazy to me. Yeah, it's ridiculous. No fear Pacquiao losing to Lomachenko. I don't know. Great fight, but I don't know that no fear Pacquiao's losing. Um, no, that's... I mean, you, you said it. Lomachenko hadn't faced any punches, so... Yeah, and Manny Pacquiao, with, with Pacquiao was a ridiculous combination of speed and power. Um, I mean, the, the real question is, you know, look... Lomachenko's obviously going to start to navigate the end of his career. And Teofimo's at the start. This guy's now, I mean, he's for sure a a star in the sport of boxing. And the question is like, well, where does he go? Like, you know, I guess there's two ways to, to say it. Like, how do they promote him into being the biggest star possible? But then also how do they... But the other side of it, and these things don't actually... Not the same thing. How do you navigate him as the pound for pound number one? Because I think at this point, you can, with the right matchmaking, position him that way. So which, I mean, which way would you go and how do you do it? As far as like what, like keep him at 35, keep him at 40. I don't know. What, what would you do? Uh, To be honest, I would keep a close eye on, this is like risky, but... I keep a close eye on what Devin Haney is doing. I don't know how many more fights he has left with, uh, with um, Matchroom USA, but like if you're if you're really invested in in making Teofimo star and and getting him up the pound for pound uh, chart, a Devin Haney fight is pretty appetizing in my opinion because like no one at PBC is happening, so let's let's scrap that, and no one at 140 that's like realistic to I think Teofimo's like trajectory is going to get him any further up the pound for pound uh list like i don't i'm not interested at all in a pedraza fight i'm not interested at all in like a zapita fight who was on the undercard i'm forgetting his name um that was at 140 uh, it was the co-main um it's not zapita it was Jeez, let me let me jump on box track but i'll keep talking as i'm typing um i'm I, i'm not too interested in any of those fights and we know Jose Ramirez and Josh Taylor will, are probably meeting eventually, and the winner will probably go up to 147, potentially to Salcedo. fight. Uh, yeah, yeah, Salcedo. And Barboza. Not, like, 
that doesn't neither of those guys do it for me. So I, I think a guy like Devin for like, you know, boxing writer hype and like something like if you put that on ESPN, I could see that really popping because Devin Haney's going to talk. Devin Haney has like a big uh, social media following. He, he's TMZ friendly. Now, I don't know if like is that a winnable fight for Teofimo? Do you think? I don't know. I don't know. I will say if while you're thinking about it, if Teofimo was able to stop Devin, let's let's put him in the pound for pound top five. I'm all for it. <sighs> okay. Now, right now, I I don't even want to put him in the top ten because he he has one great win, one really really great win, and Coleman is cool. But besides, like two wins is doesn't exactly do it for me if, if we're talking pound for pound. And I'm not like the biggest pound for pound snob. I think it's, but um, I know Top Rank loves it, and I'm I'm not ready to put him like up there yet. Now, if he smokes Devin, put him where you want to put him. I'm 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 in. What do you think? So, first of all, Devin's not tested. Beating Devin Haney does nothing for me at all. I'm sorry for any of you who are high on Devin Haney. You can be high on him. But you can also recognize where this guy sits in the world of boxing today. Yes, he is the WBC lightweight champion. And he has beaten nobody of note. We have not seen Devin Haney in there with somebody who's got some power. We've not seen anybody, Devin Haney, in the ring with anybody who he wasn't supposed to just dominate. And he's done that thus far. I'll give him credit for that. No doubt about it. But Devin, beating Devin Haney don't mean nothing. Just because you beat someone that we hype up does not mean you you get like credit for that. You just expose what possibly was lurking beneath the surface. All right? So that's first and foremost. Second of all, I think it's crazy. Teofimo and Haney, for being young guys at lightweight, both have already expressed interest in moving up to 140, or at least I put a timeline on when that is going to happen. Teofimo's camp says that they want to move to 140. Devin Haney had said that he only had one more fight at 135 to go before he moved to 140. It's really interesting that if he only had one more fight left at 135, that he would pick Yuriorkis Gamboa. By the way, something that I said before, you're match made properly, and you look at a top rank, they, they're they very good at matchmaking. Um PBC is even good at matchmaking that like, you know, you fight the guys who they think are going to grow you, but not stop you. Okay. And it's no secret when guys like, let's say, uh, Mikhail Zuski, Zuski didn't fight anybody. Like that guy was 30 and 0 and fought nobody. That wasn't some mistake. Zuski fought nobody because he couldn't beat anybody better than those guys that was in the ring with him. The moment he stepped up, he clearly got beat, and then he got beat again. And so matchmaking is an interesting thing. Those guys who who make the fights, they really earn their they really earn their paper, that's for sure. So I I think I think you probably you go to 140 if I'm Tiafimo. Because I'm looking at Tiafimo long term. And I don't need him to stay in a division. Because like let's think about it. Even though lightweight is starting to pop off, not really, okay? There's a bunch of fights that are unrealistic to make because of promotion. And Teofimo is not going to be that big of a star quite yet. And the other guys aren't pulling their weight in the division. Tank is going down to 130. And I imagine that he's probably going to stay there for a little while. Because uh, as I said on one of the other podcasts we've done, 
he's discovered dieting and it turns out that dieting really works <laughs> when it comes to making weight. So, I mean, he's two weeks out and he's already five pounds out. I mean, like that's pretty damn remarkable for Tank. And he's like got visible abs, which is like he's never seen them before, probably. Uh, so I, I don't, if you look at Terrence Crawford, he, like his run at 140 was good and that he accumulated all of the titles, but none of those wins stand out as a, like just great, you know? And then when you stay in a division and dominate it for a while, like Vladimir Klitschko, what do people do? They turn on you. They say it's boring. They say it's so top-heavy that it's a weak division, that there's no talent in it. Gennady Golovkin ran into this at 160 for a while. Yes, he was knocking guys out. And yes, that was cool. But like, he didn't get a ton of credit for knocking out the Daniel Geals and the Darren Barkers of the world. I don't think he knocked out Daniel, Daniel Barker. I think it was Martin Murray. Anyway, um... If you keep Tiafimo at 135, what is he going to do? He's going to tread water while people, you can either say that, oh, and which is what they might do, is just say that Tiafimo wants to fight all these guys and they're ducking him, which is what they do all the time, or just move him up. Screw the titles. Like, it's it's enough of an accomplishment to, to win all the titles, which he technically did, but who cares? Let him go. Move to 140. And at 140, you have a much better stable of guys for in-house fights. Jose Zapata, like, that's the fight that you strike while the iron's hot. Like, I think 1,000%, if they don't do this fight, they better wow me with something at 135. Because if he moves to 140 and doesn't go right into uh, Zapata, I think that's crazy. Zapata's coming off of an amazing fight with Ivan Baranchik. That fight would do, I I think that fight does better numbers than if he were to fight Devin Haney. Flat out. Absolutely not. I'm telling you. Absolutely not. I'm telling you. Absolutely no. No, you no, don't because, got a highlight listen, reel for Devin Haney. Who's he? Who's he? Slept? You don't need a highlight reel. Devin Haney's mouth will be his highlight reel. He, his, him, and his clown unless, dad. Unless Bill Haney's talking, Devin Haney ain't got no mouth. Devin Haney can't cut a promo. Come listen, on. Th- listen, listen. Th- uh, here's a little thing about Devin Haney. He dated like Black China for a hot second. He t- he does TMZ interviews from time to time. The hip hop community knows Devin Haney. They also know that he doesn't fight anyone. The second he fights anyone, they'll be locked in. I'm, I know this for a fact. And Zapita, like the the fake fight of the millennium, is not doing it. He's not fun. Like that's that's typical top rank stuff, man. Like that's and I, I had a follow up question, but I'm telling I you right now, this out Devin first. Haney is nobody right now. He ain't dirt. He ain't. Bo- he's he not know. thoroughbred listen, from the uh, city. Listen. He <laughs> dirt and bones. He's not dirt and bones. <laughs> I tried to I was trying to squeeze that in somehow and I couldn't figure out how to do it, but I got it. It worked. It worked. I like it. <laughs> Listen, the, there are certain fighters in the hip hop ethos, or whatever hip hop fans, black fans, whatever you the the dummy graphic, whatever you want to wow. say, Michael Montero. Wow. These, there there is there are fans that love boxing. They're down to pay for boxing. They count on Nielsen ratings. They're not using Obama cell phones. Oh, and Jesus. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a little turned up today. I'm sorry. You uh, quoting a lot listen, of uh, listen, Montero and Dougie Fisher and Steve Kim. Listeners, please don't give the pod four, three, two, one stars. It's five stars only. But there, listen, there are people out there that are waiting for Devin to break through. I'm waiting for Devin to b- break through. Right now, I just think he's he's a clout chaser and his dad is a goofball. If he pulls off a good fight and wins... Or even is willing to do a good fight. I'm lo- I'm all the way locked in. 
Right now, he's smoking mirrors to me. I won't even watch. I'll actually let me not say that. I'll watch Teofimo versus Chapita, but I won't tell anyone else to watch that. I will tell a lot of people to watch Devin versus Teofimo. Now, now, I, I this is what I originally wanted to ask you: if you had to bet on top rank, getting it right with Teofimo or not getting it right as far as his trajectory into stardom, pound for pound supremacy, pay per view fighter potentially. Do you think they'll get it right or no? Mm, I think. Wait, so you tell Dirt, you're going to tell Bone, you're bread <laughs> in the city that I would send some fake shit to you, Cuzzo? Who the fuck is them niggas? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Gary Russell. <laughs> uh, I'll say this. I think they're going to put Tiofimo in position to be a legitimate star. And I think that they're going to do a lot of things right. I really do. Zapata is the perfect opponent. If he's going to go to 140, it, it I mean, like, if you don't make that fight, you're just stupid, okay? You're just really stupid. Now, where they're going to go wrong, and we've already seen the beginnings of this, is with money. Because let me tell you something. This 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 kind of stuff makes me excited. And you still, you, you owe me some info that I've been asking you for, and I'm not going to say what it is, but you know what I'm talking I, about. No, no, you I've owe it to trying. me. Listen, listen. I've been trying, and my calls haven't been picking up. People have kids. People have things to do, but I'm working on it. I really am. I promise. Because if he, if he don't pick up that phone when you call, Kazo, I'm going to send Dirt and Bone over there. <laughs> no, I don't want to see Dirt and Bone, man. I'm making a call tomorrow, I promise. All right. But when it comes to this sort of thing, let me tell you the game plan here. I was out of match. I would assert this was this was happening. So for top rank, they got this deal with Teofimo. He's a little baby. He's he's on that rookie deal. He, he was a high draft pick, so he's getting money, but like it's not it's not real money. Like he ain't getting Zion money. Like he he's on that Kyle Kuzma rookie r- rookie deal. Is he is he getting tank money? He ain't getting tank tank. No, come on now. Is he getting tank is he is getting Ugas money? Planes and uh, Ugas? No, no. He, he, is he getting Lions only money? No. No. Ringside no. with the Lions? Shout out Ringside with the Lions. Teofimo man. lives in Arkansas. Okay. <laughs> now now the money he's getting goes a long way there. No doubt about it. But it, it it's it's definitely not. I mean, the Charlos have been on top for a while and like Jermel probably never mind. Let's not get into that. But that dude's like those guys have like ridiculous you just look at their YouTube, those guys have insane money. I don't know what the hell they're doing. But I think and this is what happened with Ryan Garcia. You and look, Top Rank did a lot of work to build Tiafimo into a star, but like the, you got to give it to him. He's exciting. He's engaging. He he delivers in the ring. He's good on the mic. He's he's confident. He's arrogant when he needs to be. He can be abrasive. And like you know, what's funny is like I have never even heard his dad's voice. Like I turn off when they show those like um little emotional things there i didn't watch the pre-fight stuff because i didn't really need to i'm like i'm sold on this uh, i'm good i got other things going on right now but i you know i i didn't watch it so i've never even heard his dad talk so like when people talk about his dad like i i don't even know okay so i don't even think he's doing that good of a uh, of a deal i think it's all tiafimo agreed now he's built himself into a star there's no doubt about it he talked himself he took the lomachenko fight when he probably didn't have to he won it on his own, and now he's going to... He, but he's still in that rookie deal. 
He's a star. He's going to keep getting paid, though, on that rookie deal. So what's the play now? Well, let's extend you. Let's get let, let's let's put another five years added on to this deal that we already got that got two years and change left. So that's long term money we're talking about. And they'll, they'll bump up the minimums. Sure, they'll bump up the minimums. He can get paid triple what he's getting paid right now, which is probably not a crazy amount of money. But it's good enough for, for, for where he's at right now. It'd probably be a good deal for now, but not necessarily reflective of where we think this guy is going to be. And then dude is locked up. And then the thing is, you, you see with Ryan Garcia, it looks good right now, but then you see what you do your next fight and you say, holy, like I'm getting underpaid. You see what, what, what Gary Russell's getting paid. And it's like, wait a second, who knows who Gary Russell is? How am I getting paid the same amount as him? And then you start to have these little disputes. And so I think this is the real issue here is that the only thing that's going to stop Tiafimo, I think, is if they start to bicker over money. I think top rank is, is they're, they're, they're excellent with the PR game. And I think if they got everybody on their side, which they do, they can just flip the script. And they, we already saw it where people started to, to, to talk bad about Tiafimo during the negotiation because he wanted more money. Well, they, we can get a little taste of that again where they turn every they say, "All right, well, to start the campaign, we got to we got to knock Tiafimo down a little bit so he can know his place cuz we ain't paying him this crazy money." Yeah, I, I think that'd be very unfortunate. And I, and I mentioned this on the Patreon and and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's been a very 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 long time since Top Rank had a charismatic, fluently English speaking big puncher i loved koto but koto couldn't speak english and he wasn't really charismatic to be honest. Well, he did, well he de- de- definitely didn't speak english very well when he was with top rank he did Correct. develop english yeah. later on but it, while Koto's was a weird one mm. I, I i loved i love pack pa- I, I didn't love pack actually during like the floyd mayweather saga but ultimately he was a great fighter but he couldn't speak english and that matters um margarito couldn't speak English, but speaks English. Pavlik. Pavlik. Is is that the guy? The last one? Because I, I was thinking going back to De La Hoya. Pavlik. But I guess Pavlik wasn't charismatic either. Mm, I guess not. I, I like Kelly Pavlik a lot, by the way, and I would always pick him over trip. That's neither here nor there, though. I would never like Kelly Pavlik. Was happy Bernard Hopkins beat him. <laughs> but I say all that to say someone asked me why I get frustrated with top rank. And you you have a guy like Teofimo, and it's like you you don't want to put him over because of money. Like, what kind of trend does that set for the future? Are you going to just keep finding like non English speaking guys and like underpaying them until you want to cash them out? Like that's not <clears throat> that's not what I watch sports for. Like re- reward the guys that deserve to get rewarded. Teofimo is awesome, bro. He's everything that's right, and he's a he'll be a great ambassador for the sport. He wants good challenges. He, I don't picture him as a guy that'll get in trouble anytime soon. He might be a dude that eventually fills out MSG. So if top rank got to a point where they got cheap and didn't want to pay him what he deserved, I, I that'd be pretty upsetting to me. I, I, th- I think it can happen. Just from like the the logistics of it, if he's on this rookie deal, and his like you know on your rookie deal, you're not expected to produce at the level of a superstar 
And I think he's at the point where he will start producing at that level. And maybe not the superstar level, but a star level. More than what he's being paid on that rookie deal. For oh, for sure. sure. For sure. I mean, like, did Ja Morant make, did he produce more than what a rookie deal says? Ja Morant will be getting 30 to $40 million a year in three years. Yeah, but for the next a few years, what is he going to get paid? Like 11? Yeah, it's like, it's I like mean, that's what a rookie scale uh, contract is like 10 11 12 13 or something like that well especially because he's a, he's like a super high pick but like um who was like a low pick that oh actually he's getting eight the rookie deals eight nine nine twelve okay yeah and then and then after that 12 they'll be seeing like 30 to 40 per year for the next four to five years mm-hmm. which is crazy uh what about Giannis, who was like getting paid a million his first three years in the league? <laughs> and I th- and I'm far, pretty sure like, he was producing as as... at that point at a high level. It it took Giannis a minute. To Actually, get no, together. He, he wasn't. He was. It was like okay, okay, but I guess a, a better option because um, baseball is like the true. Actually, baseball is a much better comp. Uh, actually, it's a perfect comp to boxing. Actually, because there's no salary cap. But you have a guy like Mike Trout who's on his like rookie deal, stuck with arbitration. And Mike Trout, I, you're familiar with Mike Trout, right? Yes. If you don't know, Mike Trout is like far and away, like this dude is on track to be the greatest player of all time. Like he's ridiculous. You may not have heard of him because Mike Trout has like the personality of a thumb. And <laughs> um, Mike Mike Trout already was producing at an insane level and was get, like his contract was literally like a million dollars. And it wasn't until they extended him. And even when they extended him, uh, he was, or I think he went to arbitration or something. And uh, still, like, he wasn't getting paid very much. And then finally, they, they like, signed his actual deal. And now he's getting paid $37 million. But he was, he was 23 years old, best player in the league, getting paid $6 million. And already on track to be, like, an all-time great. And so, boxing similar, where I think... Tiafimo could, well, I'm not saying he's going to be an all-time great, but he's going to produce at a very high level, both in terms of performances in the ring and what he brings uh, business-wise, you know, in terms of people being interested, people watching. And uh, I would assert that at some point, ticket sales and pay-per-views, and that dude's going to be on a rookie deal. And if they extend now, they can get him at a lower rate than if they wait a few years. And how... Tiafimo's team plays that, I think, is going to be really interesting. Uh, I would hope. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, like, another interesting factor, and it's kind of random, but, like, I really like his dad. I I think he does a good job of, like, keeping, like, on top of Tiafimo and just being, like, like, he's into the scene. I don't don't think he'll let his son, like, be in a, a shitty position with top rank. I mean, I could be wrong. But he reminds me a lot of Angel. And, like, one thing I re- – Angel Garcia, sorry. Uh, freaking – I keep wanting to say Ryan Garcia. I'm tripping. Everyone Danny Garcia's knows who dad. Angel Garcia is, is. Yes. Okay, just clarifying for those who might not, that'd be weird. But Angel is very astute at the business of boxing. I've seen it, a video of him on YouTube going directly to Senior and telling him, you made a mistake. You should be with us. And I don't think he means uh, – Danny Garcia promotion. I think he means PBC. So like, I don't know. Like, there there are a lot of interesting 
things you're mentioning and it, it, it'll be something worth keeping an eye on for sure. Yeah, I think the model there is far more suited for a, a Tiafimo than it is for like a Lomachenko. I think Lomachenko has really thrived inside of the promotional, the traditional structure. Um, let's talk about, uh, I guess, one one facet of the fight. I think that kind of went a little viral is that Damian Lillard like was out on Twitter talking a lot about the fight, um, which I think is good. Damian Lillard is obviously very popular. He's got over 2 million followers on Twitter. And, uh, you know, what I really like about Dame coming out and speaking on the fight is that I, I think that there are a lot of boxing fans out there that we don't realize, and they just don't talk about boxing because they may not necessarily know of the avenue for it. And I think this is the kind of thing that creates more casual fans. And the other thing is like, I think it's really important to have names be seen. Not necessarily like, I remember seeing a lot of names when I was growing up and not necessarily knowing who they are, but just being aware of them. I think it goes a long way to getting people like at some point to convert into boxing fans. And I think that was... I hope we see more of stuff because I know there are a lot of hardcore boxing fans out there. You know who's actually a really hardcore boxing fan um, is Eminem. I don't know how you feel about him, uh, but like I've heard that that guy is like an insane hardcore boxing fan. I think I was listening to an interview with Dr. Dre, and he was talking about it, and he was like kind of laughing at Eminem's like, "Yeah, dude, if you mention that to him, like he just goes on all day long." Like, like they, that's all he wants to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Boxing is such a splinter sport that I think people are out there who try to keep the Dame Lillard's and Eminem's voices from causing any influence because then we won't be able to hear. Like, those guys might not be as interested in seeing uh, Madrimov or, like, Usyk. They might want to see Jermel Charlo. Or Teofimo. And that's not exactly in line with, with some of the media ones. So it's tough. But what Dame did was awesome. Like Dame, for those who don't know, he's a super, super big boxing head. Like in his offseason, he trains boxing all the time. Well, that offseason like started a little early. Live, there's a good... Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he did go home early. But if you... Uh, you know, if you look on any of his lives, he's probably in the gym. Like on the punching bag, on the speed bag. Like, he loves the sport. And he he understands, like, the divisions of PBC and top rank and zone, Or, like, the sanctioning bodies. He's talking about there's there's uh, there's too many belts in the sport. Like, he gets it. And so hopefully we do have more guys like that. I think Denzel's a pretty big fan. I think Mark Wahlberg's a pretty big fan, even though, like, yeah, his he, takes are pretty trash. manages progray. Still? Or, or is that, like, in the past? Like, he's part of it. I, I I don't know if he's still involved, but I know he's like down with Peter Berg and stuff. Yeah, so it's it's I, I just you know like I get frustrated with the media a lot. You know I wish that people would just be more uniform with like what's good for the sport and not what media wants to see. Like this is a separate topic, and I'm gonna try to be as brief as I can with this. But I see a lot of media saying Fury versus AJ is like the mega fight that boxing needs, the biggest fight in sport. And I just don't agree. It's a cool fight for the UK. Would be amazing for the UK. 
But I don't know if anyone cares about that fight here. And I think we, we I don't know. I just want to see more uniformity. That's it from the media. Well, I think they, a lot of times, oftentimes are speaking from, um, they toe the line of what the promoters want to hear. And uh, there's a certain interest that, hmm. Yeah, don't don't say anything that's too, you know. No, I, I just think that they, they you know, they, 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 they know what people want to hear and that's what helps to maintain coverage and things like, or to maintain access and things like that. That's really what it is. Um, yeah. And that's, that's just unfortunate because like, look how cool it was to see Dame listed like 15 fights that he would die to see. He even said Berlanga versus Danny Jacobs, which was like the most random matchup ever. And it he is did pretty say random. Fury versus Joshua, which is like kind of contradicts my point. Sorry, although, but although I will say don't sleep on Dame's knowledge because Berlanga versus Danny Jacobs. There's more there than meets the eye. One, both signed with Keith Connolly. Two, Andre Rozier trains Berlanga, but he used to train Danny Jacobs, who had a split with Danny Jacobs. And while Danny Jacobs has maintained a lot of silence through it, it didn't quite end so smoothly. Amicably. Yeah. So, like, low-key, like, that's probably a trash fight. I think Danny Jacobs, like, easily beats him. But, um, you know, maybe that could be a real interesting storyline type of fight. You know, you, you make a good point because, like, I completely slept on the uh, the Keith Conley bit. I'm sorry, not Keith. Oh, that too. And the um, the Andre Rozier bit specifically. I, oh, man. I want to ask you, out of Dame's list, which was your favorite fight? I'm about to send it to you. Uh, I, well, let's first say what, the, what, what they were. Um, okay. Let me read the, the, the list of fights that Dame proposed. Number one, Caleb Plant versus David Benavides. Number two, Gervonta Davis, Ryan Garcia. Three, Shakur Stevenson, Vasily Lomachenko. Four, Tiafimo Lopez versus Devin Haney. Five, Manny Pacquiao versus Mikey Garcia. Six, Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford. Seven, Jermel Charlo versus Julian Williams. Eight, Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury. Nine, Jamal Charlo versus Canelo Alvarez. Ten, Keith Thurman versus Sean Porter. Two. Eleven, Edgar Berlanga versus Danny Jacobs. Twelve, Jerron Ennis versus Jordanis Ugas. And thirteen, Arthur Betterbia versus Dimitri Bivol. All right. Let me just take a few off of the list that I think are just not worth my time. <laughs> Number eleven, Berlanga versus Danny Jacobs. Not worth my time. Number seven, Jermel Charlo versus J-Rock. Not, I mean, look, I feel bad here, but like, I don't want to see Jermel Charlo fight Julian Williams, at least not yet. Um, I think there are better options. So uh, that's like a partial I take off the list. I just, you know, um, four, I'm not that interested in Tiafimo versus Devin Haney. Um, <clears throat> better be a versus Bivol. I'm scared of that fight because I think if Bivol has his way, he'll make it into a dreadful fight. Uh, and the rest of the fights are all very good. So I guess the question was, what is like the one that I want to see the most? I'll go yes. with Jamal and Canelo. Specifically because Dame says that that's a 50-50 fight. I don't know that that's a 50-50 fight. I think I clearly favor Canelo. But it is a really interesting fight. And I'll go with that one. What do you think? I like that pick, but I don't want to f- copy you. So 
I'll pick Plant versus Benavides. I'm like a hardcore Benavides stan. Like watching him makes me want to like really? go outside and fight somebody, <sighs> and I like that energy. Seriously. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I want to see him in a big fight. It's like so early. I want to see that fight get the proper like build up. You know what I mean? Like jumping right into that fight. I. Like, I would want to see that fight, like, in Vegas or at Staples on pay-per-view or something like that. So, it's really early. But, like, I love playing. He's dope. But, man, Benavidez is, like, he reminds me of, like, when I was younger, first getting into boxing and watching, like, like Duran or somebody. Like, he's 100% kick-ass. He'll take punches so he can give you three. He doesn't want to box. He wants to fight. And his punch variety is, like, outrageous. Like, he has to be one of the most impressive punchers in the game right now and so i'll go with number one playing versus benavides um yeah that's fair um i don't want to pick it because i think that it's like the most obvious one of the more obvious choices i wanted to be a little i wanted to be a little unique here oh, i, I think the that ennis yeah, i don't Uga's think it's fight. that no 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 wait i don't think it's that obvious because well, like of course it is we've been talking about this fight for years but, now but no of of this of the the fights that he laid out, obvious is like Errol versus Bud, uh, Fury versus Joshua, um, Gervonta versus Ryan. Like, to me, those are the obvious ones. Maybe Manny versus Mikey. I was thinking about picking, but... Um, the one quite, the one fight here that I thought was really, really interesting is Jerron Ennis and Yordanis Ugas. I think that's a, that's a fantastic fight. It's one that I haven't thought of. And it's really interesting. I, like I really it. like it. Really? What, why don't you like it? I'm a Yugis stan. There's okay. some certain guys that I super stand for, and I love Yugis. This okay. guy got rebuilt from the ashes of top rank and is like one fight away from like the, the Thurman, Garcia, Porter rematch, Arrow. And I really want to see him get that shot. He may get blown out, but like I think he's really earned it, man. I really do. And I'm hoping he gets key. I think like Jerron Ennis will have his time. That kid's amazing, and he's like 22. But I don't want his time to come via Yugas. I don't like it. But that's a very standish opinion. Okay. Um, all right. Well, we should we should leave it there. I you know, I, I think we've talked a lot. I've talked a lot about this fight over the past few days. We talked about um, we started this new thing that we do where we do um, like a pregame podcast where we kind of like we just record ourselves getting ready to record the podcast and talk about uh, what we are going to talk about, talk about random things before we start to record. And uh, so talked about it there. We did the immediate post fight podcast. So if you like, can like, you really want to hear more, you should go listen to one of those. Oh, <clears throat> I didn't mention that those fights were, um, or those podcasts were on Patreon. Uh, let's talk about, I don't know if you watched the fight, but I'm sure you saw the picture. Of the judge in the UK, I got a, and I got a real cool anecdote here for you about this. Who was looking at his phone during the fight? Terry O'Connor looking at his phone during the fight. Did you see this? I saw the picture. Yes. It is wild because not only was he looking at the phone, the scorecards in that fight were wrong. They were bad, <laughs> like really bad. And like you know, it's bad when. Well, I don't know. I think Eddie Hearn has a good sense to figure out which way the wind is blowing and then position himself to look good. Uh, and he d did exactly that. Um, but my God, I cannot real, imagine. Real quick, that was, I'm sorry to cut you off. That was on a matchroom card? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, so I I mean the, I I just I cannot believe this. Cannot believe this. And so um I don't uh yeah, I don't really have much else to say for uh for that. So I'm just going to leave it right there. Um the latest with Canelo, we should talk a little bit about that. So it, last when we last left off, um we used their legal name Dazon. They had requested that the trial get moved back to federal court, which Canelo's team has said, yes, that is good. And um, they requested that they get seen by the original judge since uh, for whatever reason they want to be seen by the original judge. It could be a lot of reasons for that. And the judge has said, based off of what I've seen thus far, I need to see those contracts. So the contract that Canelo has with Golden Boy and the contract which nobody has seen uh, and we've heard very little about that's the contract that Golden Boy has with the zone. So that's where we're at with that. We don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, but I do want to keep you guys updated on that. Uh, this weekend, we have Sergey Lipinitz fighting Kustio Clayton. Kustio Clayton is a, uh, is a fighter with Lee Baxter Promotions. He's mostly Canadian-based. He's fought nobody thus far in his career. Sergey Lipinitz is this will be for the interim IBF title. On paper, this will grant the winner a shot at Errol Spence versus Danny Garcia, whoever wins out of that fight. Realistically, they're not getting that fight. Um, I mean, I, I find it difficult to imagine that that fight is going to happen, but I don't really see uh, that guy ever really getting the shot. And most likely, they'll just get upgraded to full IBF champion. Unless maybe Lipinitz has a really dominant performance and he looks fantastic and then you can maybe sell that fight. But I think there's going to be a lot of difficulty in selling a fight between Lipinitz and uh, the winner of Spence Garcia unless it's like an acknowledged sort of this is a lesser fight that we're going to be doing, not a pay-per-view fight. Uh, also, there is the was supposed to be a triple header and it was supposed to be a really good triple header because, you know, obviously you have... Never mind. Um, but you had a triple header in Mexico City. Juan Francisco Estrada on the undercard will be rematching Carlos Cuadras. And if you remember, Carlos Cuadras and Juan Francisco Estrada, they had fought back in September of 2017. And that was the day that, and you may have forgotten, where first Naoya Inouye made his pro de- or his um, U.S. debut, where he stopped Antonio Neves. Uh, Inoue looked pretty bad in that fight. He looked very one-dimensional. Andre Ward was highly critical of Inoue's performance, despite Inoue actually scoring a stoppage in that fight. Uh, and then Carlos Quadras and Juan Francisco Estrada, they had a fight where basically um, the deciding factor in the fight was Quadras getting dropped in the 10th round. And if not, it would have been a draw on all three scorecards. So there's some precedent to do a rematch. The only problem is like Carlos Quadras since then has like, you know, went into rehab for substance abuse. And so it's kind of questionable what we're going to be getting out of Carlos Quadras at this point in his career. And uh, I mean, if we just look at, let me just check real quick. Um, Yeah, Quadras, he's never had, so luckily he hasn't had like a really, really long layoff. But yeah, he has kind of, been off the scene for a while. On the undercard, Roman Gonzalez will fight Israel Gonzalez, and he'll be defending his WBA 
flyweight title. And then Julio Cesar Martinez will fight Moises Caleros, who just recently accepted the fight. Uh, so that's good when you have an opponent announce the week of a fight. Uh, <laughs> this uh, this card got a lot, a lot of hype at one point. And it's kind of crazy that it did. Um, this certainly is not a recipe for success for any network that's hoping to continue showing boxing as Gonzalez and Estrada were two featured and prominent fighters when HBO decided that they were just going to not show boxing anymore. This is also going to be one of those unsanctioned shows where the Mexican commission is just not going to sanction it because of COVID, but it will be on BoxRec. So that's, there's that. The Lipinitz undercard, which I skipped over, uh, we're going to see one of the best prospects in boxing on the undercard, and that's Xavier Martinez. He's going to fight Claudio Marrero. It's uh, a decent step up for uh, Martinez. He hasn't really fought like solid opponents. Well, I, I should say he's fought like solid, like kind of like guys who've got like they're proven winners, but they also have uh, lost recently. And that also describes Claudio Marrero, but it is a step up fight for him because Marrero has been in with some decently talented fighters. And then what is probably going to be a fight of the year contender, we're going to have Malik yeah. Hawkins versus Subrio Matias. If you've never seen Malik Hawkins fight, uh, the best way to describe it is there's a lot of action. He fights like Jared Hurd before, before Jared Hurd got with Kay Karamo. He fights like Jarrett Hurd if Jarrett Hurd was like 80% of himself. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, he looks like Jarrett Hurd, but there's something missing here. And and he's out of the same gym as Gervonta Davis and Truck, right? Yep. Is that correct? Yep. Matias is also um, coming off of a loss. He lost on the undercard of Wilder Fury 2 in that fight with Petros Ananian, which was a really good fight, I thought, but... Um, you know, Matias definitely earned that loss. I thought he looked really bad for a lot of that fight. And he just, he scraped by a few rounds, but it wasn't enough to win the fight. Um, some of the judges had it like even. I don't I don't remember it being even. I thought Ananyan should have won that fight, which he did. But I thought he should have won it a little clearer. I think the 96-93 scorecard was probably the right one. Um, any of these fights that you're looking forward to? Definitely. Uh... The Matias and uh, Malik Hawkins fight. It's one of those fights where you're pretty much guaranteed a funny outcome. And <laughs> maybe not funny, but like someone's getting knocked out. It's, it's either Malik Hawkins will probably get iced. His nickname is the Iceman. Uh, yeah, I was going to say pun intended. Or <laughs> Matias is just going to get like beat like a drum, which is, you know, that's what we're here for most of the time. We're boxing fans and it's always good to see a... Uh, you know, fight like that. So I'll definitely be uh, locked in for that one. I, I'm not high on Malik Hawkins whatsoever. I like, I just don't like his style. It's fun. But like when you're a six foot, super lightweight fighter, you may not want to walk forward and mimic Jarrett Hurd. It seems like you probably could have a lot more success if you fight in a, you know, like with a jab and stuff. That's just not what Hawkins is up to. <laughs> And Matias is a tough guy. Like, if you remember, Matias was the guy who fought Maxim Dadashev. You know, obviously, Maxim Dadashev, he took a, a, a beating in that fight. And uh, ultimately, he had the situation where he was vomiting after the fight and he passed away. 
And it's, it, you know, it does beg the question of like, well, was Matias derailed by that? Is he still affected mentally by that? You know, you saw a very flat Matias. He didn't fight the way he normally did. This is the guy who came in against Ananyan with a 100% knockout ratio. And all of a sudden he couldn't hurt his opponent. So it'll be interesting to see if like um, he gets back to his winning ways and he can overcome whatever is there in his head about fighting Dadashev. Although he did go, go come back and, and knock some guy out in Puerto Rico. So maybe Ananian was actually pretty solid. I don't know. Ananian hasn't Ananian fought. had incredible stamina. Yeah, like this he guy fought was insane. like 10 out of 10 intensity for every round of that fight. That was like the only interesting fight on the entire Wilder Fury card that wasn't like one-sided. Whatever. We're, we're going to pretend a lot of people, like that and I did. I mean, I want to because like I was there the entire time. And if it felt like the only one, the only fight that went predictably was the Roly fight. Everything else was I forgot like, Roly was on that. Yeah, he just, he, well, Roly just showed up, knocked this guy out and left. The king at 35? That is the king at 135. Like, Fandora looked terrible. <laughs> Amiri Mom looked terrible. Gabriel Flores didn't look very good. Vito didn't look good. Uh, Isaac Lowe didn't look very good. Navarrete looked terrible. Although, Navarrete's turned it around. So, well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I've had some conflicting, or not conflicting, but I've had some some nice debates about Navarrete's performance against Villa. Um. So yeah, those are the fights coming up next week. We will return with our regularly scheduled podcast on Sunday. Well, I don't know. Um, if you're wondering why this podcast is on Monday instead of t- uh, Sunday, well, the Dodgers game seven. I had to watch. Lex, you don't like baseball, do you? I do not like baseball, but I love California. So you know what team I'm on. Lakers. <laughs> Perfectly. I'm team, I'm team California. Could be the Bay. Could be Southern California. It doesn't matter to me. All right. Well, and I'm from New York, so make sense of it if you want. You're not from New York. <laughs> you can't. Cu- you can't claim New York. I'm located in New York. Let's just say that. If anything, you you're from Miami. I am from Miami, but I am located in New York. All right. All but right, if you right. see me in the streets, I'm from Miami. <laughs> if you see me on Twitter, I'm from New York. If you see me on the podcast, I'm from New York. If you see if you see him on the streets, this is what he's gonna say. Wait, so you tell dirt, you gonna tell bone, you thoroughbred <laughs> niggas that I would send some fake shit to you, Cuzzo? Who the fuck is them niggas? <laughs> All right, everyone, if you want access to other podcasts, access to our chat, go to Sunday Puncher or uh, patreon.com slash Sunday Puncher. Otherwise, rate and review. Um, hit us up on Twitter. And uh, yeah, you can talk to us that way. Otherwise, go to the website, read Babs's latest piece on the Lomachenko and Tiafimo fight, which I thought was very good. Otherwise, thank you for listening, and we will be back next in a few days. Wait, I have one request. Oh, one request. Let's see. Can we ride out on that takeover? That was hitting. All right. All right. We'll see what we got here. Let's see what we got here. Rockefeller is the army. Better get the navy. Niggas will kidnap your baby. Spit at your lady.